Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Good morning, Bethel family. Could we put our hands together and greet our streaming family right now? Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. We just send a blessing to all of our moms today. God bless you. Do you know uh, we love you? One of the reasons we love you so much is the devil hates moms so much. Now, we've talked about it before, but Satan has a unique hatred for women that transcends his hatred for men because you are the door to life. Anything that comes into this realm at God's design has to come through your womb or it doesn't get here. Even the the God-man himself had to have mama as a door to come in. And so the enemy hates you. Have you thought about that? Yeah, you're a door to life. So he wants to impede your womb. He wants to block your womb. He wants to obstruct your womb because you're the door to life. And you have an extraordinarily anointed gift. This isn't a sermon at all. This isn't my message at all. It has nothing to do with this. But I just wanted to throw out to all of our mamas today why you are such a blessing and why you are so so favored by the Lord and why the devil hates you so much. He hates men, sure, but they're simpletons. I mean, he has money, sex, and power, you know, gold gals and glory. He'll trip them up, right? But you women, you are so unique in being a gate to this earth. You're so unique also in being able to take what is given you and you're able to multiply it. We give you a house, you give us a home. We give you a man, you give us a husband, right? We give you seed, you give us a baby. There's there, you have a multiplying anointing that the enemy can't stand because you're able to take what God gives you and multiply it in a way men know nothing about. God bless our mamas today. So the devil hates you. So we're just going to love on you a little bit extra today to encourage all of you mommies and all of you who are being mothers in the Lord. We're going to find out today that we are living in the midst of a generation that has a mothering and a fathering deficit, a specific mothering and fathering deficit. And Old guys rule in this season and old gals rule in this season. I have a word from the Lord for you today. My assignment, I'm, I'm so hopped up, as my dad would say about it. Everyone to my dad was hopped up on drugs. He'd point over to a car that was weaving. He'd go, look, they're all hopped up on drugs. Well, I'm all hopped up on an assignment called On the Threshold of Zared. We're going to talk about Zared today. Did you know it? Did the Lord tell you in advance? What is Zared? Zared is the most sacred crossing point in the history of the Bible. Zared is the point that was crossed as the children of Israel, after 38 years of wandering, moved in one day in a straight line of conquest. Did you know that there does come a time, there's a statute of limitations 
on delay. There's a statute of limitations, a unique one. I'm talking to some choice servants of the Lord today. I'm talking, uh, do you remember two weeks ago when we finished our Benjamin series and I talked about when a Benjamin goes bad? The Benjamins are the most gifted, talented, grace, truth, time, and power people, and the Benjamin generation is going to be the grace, truth, time, and power template on earth. But when a Benjamin goes bad, watch out, because they can hairlip the universe, right? Remember Saul of Tarsus, breathing threatenings against the church. Remember Saul, the first king, breathing threatenings against David. When a Benjamite goes wrong, oh, Lord, watch out. Because they can do more damage. Did you know anointed men, women, boys, and girls can do more damage when they go wrong or when they deconstruct their Christian faith and they start joining the atheist camp and they start writing against Christian? There is nothing like a Benjaminite going wrong. But... God redeems, and he is right now redeeming Benjamins. He's redeeming people who pretty much took a sidestep, made moral decisions that have caused a 38-year delay. I'm preaching to some elect people today, and I'm giving some encouragement on the threshold of Zared. Last week, we, we, we talked about failure on the threshold. We talked about God is being merciful right now because he doesn't want us to get to the threshold of our destiny like Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, and then you find a pool of unbelief and cynicism in you that makes you dumb and deaf. It struck him dumb. I mean, this man with all the privilege in the world, remember Gabriel appears to him, 400 years of prophetic silence, broken. Gabriel didn't talk to anyone since 600 years before he previously talked to Daniel about the Messiah and about the end days and the whole thing. And then Zechariah, this great priest, this man who served God all of his life, stumbles on the threshold of his visitation with unbelief. Did you know you can have caverns of cynicism in you down in there? And every time you hear God give a prophetic word, you go, oh, another word, oh, no more good news. I'm sick of hearing this. Yeah. Come out in the name of Jesus, thou unclean spirit. Come on. We, we, the Lord's cleansing our hearts so on the brink of uh, fruitfulness, we don't freeze. Mm-hmm. Well, join me on the threshold of Zared this morning. What are we talking about? Our text is in Deuteronomy 2, 13 and 14. And the Lord God said, now get up and cross the Zared Valley. So we cross the valley. 38 years passed from the time we left Kadesh Barnea until we crossed the Zared Valley. By then, the entire generation of fighting men had perished from the camp as the Lord had sworn to them. May God bless the reading of his word. Zared was the crossing point. It was a special river area, but it represented an end to the 38 years of circularity. The 38 years, remember in Deuteronomy 2 verse 3, just a few verses up, the word is given. You've circled this mountain long enough. Now turn north. Uh, circling, representing, and by the way, this is a snapshot of a 38-year history that Moses gives in a flashback. It's like a movie. You know in a movie when there's a flashback and, and, and you see something that happened 38 years ago and then all of a sudden you come to the beginning of the movie? This is a flashback if you read all of Deuteronomy chapters 2 and 3. It's a flashback of they've been 38 years going in a circle. And did you know when you're under the discipline of the Lord, you go in circles? 
When you're in rebellion against the Lord, you go in circles. But don't try to judge which one it is in your brother. Well, I know his discipline. It's definitely judgment. No, no, hold on. Did you know you've circled this mountain? What mountain? It was the whole area of Kadesh Barnea that didn't belong to them. Did you know for 38 years they wandered in circles on territory that didn't belong to them? Did you know the Lord is ready to move us away from circling around? Is circling, what is it? What is it? Discipline. Chastening. 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 At the day they crossed the river brook of Zered, the Bible says the 38 years were complete. I'm announcing a threshold truth that there is an end. Listen to me. Today marks an end to some chastening of the Lord Jesus Christ that has been on some lives for almost 40 years. It's nobody's business what happened 40 years ago in your choices of unbelief. It's nobody's business what flesh you were in when you tripped the wire that caused a 40-year sentence. Can you imagine that? Being put in prison for 40 years and the president can't pardon you and you can't get shortened time for good behavior. You know, in the things of the Spirit, God doesn't play around. You can manipulate people, places, and things. You can manipulate prison sentences depending on who you know and how much money you have. But in the kingdom, you do all 40 years. <laughs> Initially in Numbers 14 at Kadesh Barnea, God sent 12 spies out. Ten of them came back and said, yeah, it's a great land. Yeah, the pomegranates are as big as basketballs. Yeah, but the giants are in the land. Their cities are too tall for us. They will consume us. And did you know God gave a year for every day? They spied out the land. Forty days? Forty years. Did you know God does not play? You can get your way in this world, but you cannot manipulate the king. And you know what? I hate that about him, but I love that about him. Now that I'm, now that I'm 62, I love that about him. But when I was in my 20s, I hated that about him. Because you can't manage him. You can't manipulate him. Nothing that works on people will move God. He's cruel. No, he just can't be manipulated by you, like your spouse and your children and everybody else that plays to your tune. God just says, I'm God. You're not. 40 years. But your majesty, I'm just a baby, and I didn't know what I was doing. 40 years, next case. Well, beloved, it's good news. Delay is not denial. All the potentials that could have been actualized that weren't are going to be actualized now. All of the arrival at, at fruitfulness and the arrival at God's full promise that didn't happen back then can happen now. In fact, listen, listen to some primary facts of Zared. Good news, the land is ready. Whew. Good news, you're ready for the land. Did you know sometimes you're ready in the things of God and you've done your studies and you've prepped and you've been trying to obey God and you've been living a right life and you're ready, but the land isn't that God's sending you to. It's a mess. It's a cordoned off mess. And here you are already and prepped and you're doing everything and you're drinking your juice and you're, you're studying theology and you're doing the whole thing. God goes, good news and bad news. Ever heard those good news, bad news jokes? Good news on the ship. <laughs> you all get a change of underwear. Bad news. Bill, you change with John. John, you change with Jim. Jim, you change. There's good news and bad news in the kingdom. And sometimes the good news is you're ready 
but the land isn't. Sometimes the land is ready for you, but you're not ready. God says, take another lap around the mountain. Not another lap. This is so cruel. You know what? If you're learning what you're supposed to learn during the laps and you're not complaining, you can actually grow and mature and become the person. <laughs> Remember, the, the symbol of the Christian life is not a circle. It's a spiral. You're supposed to go around once and go up. You're supposed to go around the mountain and learn skills and prepare yourself. Do you know our Lord Jesus was 30 years in a carpenter shop in Nazareth? for three years of ministry. He put a decade in for each one-year cycle of teaching, preaching, and healing. He invested his 30 years. We call it good time and bad time. You know, five, five years goes by and you don't grow at all and you just sit on the couch and eat ho-hos. That's bad time. Five, that's bad, five years. But if you grow and mature and, you, and you, you glean what God wants and you study and you prepare, that's a good five years, right? Some of us have been passing bad time. Come on, you meet them all the time. You met someone you haven't seen in 25 years and they haven't changed a bit. They look twice as bad as they did when you saw them then and they haven't learned anything. That's bad time. 25 years of bad time. <laughs> But when you grow, when every time you go around the mountain, you spiral up a level. We used to have, there was a hotel in Vegas called Circus Circus, and you used to walk on it, and it just, it's a, it's a spiral. And by the time you go around once, you've gone up a, a floor, remember? That's where Tony Spilotra used to run Las Vegas from that little place, but that's another tape on the mob during the 70s. He just flipped categories in his mind. Next, I'll get to blonde jokes, and then we'll flip into that category. <laughs> Remember the needle on the records used to bounce? I'm bouncing today. The threshold of Zered. Crossing the Zered Valley, this was the turning point of Israel's history. And it occurred when the Jews crossed into the Zered Valley. The older generation was gone. Now think about this. The ten spies came in and said, we can't take the land. And two guys, Joshua and Caleb, said, we are well able to take the land. The giants are breakfast cereal for us. Let us go up at once and seize it. And because of the majority vote of the ten, Caleb and Joshua got outvoted. But they didn't sin. They were full of faith in the Holy Ghost. But did you know, because of the unbelief of the other 10, they got dragged into 38 years of circularity. Did you know just because you're in with the crowd in a circle for 38 years doesn't mean that you sinned an equal sin that caused them to have to be judged? Joshua and Caleb were pure. Joshua and Caleb had another spirit, God said. But they were going to have to live through 38 years because of the willfulness of the other 10. And did you know what happened to the other 10 leaders? I could read their names right here. You've never heard of them. Zimlam of Koblen and Kipu of Bakhte. And all, they all died. And God said, that whole generation that came out of the wilderness is going to die. And for 100 funerals a day for 38 years, God said, I'm cleaning the clock. And you know what they did for 38 years before they dropped in their graves? Complained and quetched, quetching. They, the whole time, uh, their shoes didn't wear out. They had central air conditioning, central heating, manna every day. Trainloads of manna every day. Water from a rock. And all they did was, man, we can't, you know, like this manna. Manna every day. Oh, that central air conditioning is too cold. 
It's too hot. Remember Doug and Debbie Weiner on SNL? Do you have any mac and cheese? No, we don't have mac and cheese. This is France at the La Cope. We don't have mac and cheese. I don't have mac and cheese. So this filthy group that left initially the moms and dads of all the desert babies born in Egypt were covetures. And God said, let me tell you something. I'm going to kill Every, I'm not going to allow them to die. I'm going to kill every one of them because I can't allow. And that was mommy and daddy. You know what happens when mommy and daddy are complainers and mommy and daddy won't obey God and mommy and daddy are never happy and mommy's never happy with daddy and daddy's never happy with mom. That perverts the children. They don't get the minerals and vitamins they need. They don't get the father and mother's blessing. They don't feel a sense of security. The kids are walking on eggshells. Well, for 38 years, these desert babies, all the kids that never saw Egypt, were born in the desert and never fought a battle and were never in a Passover service and had never been circumcised, have been raised by these kvetchy, bitchy parents. And the Lord said, look, I'm going to be your heavenly father. i got to take them all out. So by the time you're done with the 38 years of circularity, I'm going to have cleaned the clock. The wickedness of the Amorites is going to be full and ready. We're going to be ready to destroy Canaan. By the way, did you know people say God's a mean God? He wanted to throw the Canaanites out of the land. What a horrible God. Yeah, he gave them 400 years to quit sacrificing their babies to Moloch. He gave them 400 years to quit worshiping demon gods and murdering one another and torturing other people. He gave them 400 years of waiting for them to get right, and when they wouldn't get right, he said, your cup is full. The wickedness of the Amorites is full. Now I'm going to have to not only take the land, but I'm going to have to expunge the land of this filth and corruption. How long has he been patient with you? to give up some addictive behavior that, you, you know, he'd been waiting on you for 20 years. And, of course, you're, you're rash with everybody else, right? They know the Lord, and they, they're still smoking. I can't believe it. It took you 20 years to throw that thing off, <laughs> and you want them to get over it like that. Loved one, we need to show a little bit of mercy and grace to people that are being sanctified right now. Amen. May, they may not be as holy as you, as quickly as you've become holy. God, Mark Twain said, I don't know why there's so much evil in the world when lightning bolts are so cheap. Crossing into the Zared Valley, oh, beloved, can you feel it? The whole generation, everyone that came out, starting with the Exodus, is dead. And there's three old guys standing, Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. That's it. That's it. Those are the only guys above 60. Everyone's dead. And all the people, the only folk alive are those that have been born in the wilderness, who, by the way, have no historical memory at all. They're all primarily under 40. Do you know what everybody under 40 knows in this generation? Let me move on. I was going to show a zero. Think back 40 years. It's the 1970s. 
early 1970. What do you remember, really? Per, you, you were like 12 or 13. Maybe some of you were 15. <laughs> they have no memory of Pharaoh. They have no memory of the 10 plague. They heard about it when their parents weren't complaining primarily all the time. This manna it doesn't taste. You know, the rabbis used to say if you received it with Thanksgiving, it tasted like anything you wanted. You get what you project on everything. This steak isn't cooked right. Do you ever been out with someone that it's never right and they just are control freaks and they're just going to send anything back that Jesus himself barbecued? Yeah, I don't know. It's a little too tart. You ever been to movies with people like that? They level anything you like with a critique. Gone with the wind. Wasn't that magnificent? Eh, I don't know. I could have shot better at an 8mm in my basement. You could have shot a better movie with an 8mm in your basement? You know, the Rotten Tomatoes rulings. and You, you know what I mean, how it's easy to be a critic, isn't it? Because you don't never have to build anything. You just burn down everything anyone else has made. I knew a music critic for the LA Times. I won't mention a name out loud. This guy was as dumb as a stump. As a person, I knew him. Dumb as a stump. Couldn't carry a tune in a bucket if you handed him the bucket. <laughs> Tone deaf. And he was the guy that was writing annihilating statements about, you know, people's albums, you know. The only way to keep him from coming back again is to drive a wooden stake through his heart. You know, real, he was a little tiny man with tiny man syndrome, but he had a little witty streak, but he, he knew nothing about music. Nothing. And I'm thinking, come on, get a musician at least that understands what's involved. Anyway. So <laughs> the desert babies born in the wilderness, they don't know anything about Egypt. They've heard fragmented bits and pieces, but they're not being mothered and fathered because the mothers and fathers are a generation so bad at parenting. <laughs> They're so bad, God is annihilating them. God says, take them out. They're the worst parents you've ever seen in your life. Now, guess what that's, that's going to leave? Guess what that's going to leave right now as we hit Zared? It's going to leave an entire generation of unmothered and unfathered desert babies. And by the way, if you take 18 and younger, these desert babies that have not been circumcised and have never had a Passover and know nothing about their history, well, they had a fragmented knowledge. They did see the cloud, okay? They saw the tabernacle. They saw the Ark of the Covenant, thank God. And they saw a little box holding the bones of Joseph, telling the, the Joseph bones story. But that's the flannel board presentation they have theologically. And otherwise, they're completely, like God goes, they're so dense I, I, I'm going to have to have you prepare them in such a way. And you know how old they are? They're in their, the, the majority are under 40. And the, all the others are up into their 50s and 60s. You know, when we talk about Gilgal, they've never been circumcised. and we're, You think they're 20 years old. They're going to be, these are 58-year-old men. These are a generation of 50, 60s that have not been circumcised. <laughs> These are not teenagers, you know. We're going to take the land of Jericho. These are old. This is the weirdest conglomerate group of 50, 60-somethings back then. 
equal to what we have now. Now, this is good news. I'm preaching good news to 50, 60-somethings that have never seen their potential actualized, have never fulfilled their destiny, are still floating around uncircumcised, and they don't remember anything about their spiritual history. (laughs) Good news. (laughs) That's the group the Zared group in our time, God's going to anoint with the Holy Spirit, with the Benjamin anointing. They're not all in their 20s, beloved. Youth is overrated. Youth doesn't know anything. Potty training may be up. They don't know anything. What are they going to teach you? You know, I'm 15. You know, it's like, oh, bless your heart. Shower occasionally. I'm going to lead with that. <laughs> Ask a teenager now while they know everything, right? Right? So I want you to see the desert babies we talk about, the liminal people that weren't in Egypt and they aren't in the promised land and they were born in the desert, are like 58, okay? And they're all wandering around without a sense of purpose, destiny, but they're not paralyzed by the same things that paralyzed their mommy and daddy. They're not afraid of giants. They go right in. They kill Sihon and Og, and they go right in the land. They're, they're, they're ignorant in a lot of ways, but they're wet cement. They're a Zen garden. They're an empty board on which God can write a destiny. They don't have the same unbelief the mommy and daddy had. They sin, too, by the way. They're crazy. But they're not unrepentantly crazy. The folk God had to kill were unrepentantly crazy. They wouldn't obey, and they weren't learning. This group and crop that comes in, you notice, they'll sin, but they ask forgiveness, and God does. It's a different spirit. And right now, in our world, we primarily have a group of folk under 40 with, a, with selective memory, and their primary need is mothering and fathering and theological instruction. They need to learn the Bible. They need to learn God's Word. They need the minerals and vitamins of fathering. They need the meaningful touch and the special spoken words of acceptance. And they need to be valued intrinsically. They need to be pictured a special future and a commitment to stay by them until their dreams come true. They need fathering. They need mothering. They need to learn again what it means to have a bonded relationship with human beings and how what it feels like to be contained by mommy when you're emotionally crazy. And they need daddy and mommying right now in a way that allows all of us to have a job. Did you know that we are the 50, 60 somethings floating around that are going to be the Benjamin generation anointed by the Holy Ghost to find our destiny finally, our purpose finally, the delay stopped finally. But don't you dare look in the mirror and misjudge your age right now. I used to be 23. Yes, you were. And we all, some of us knew you back then. Yeah, you were 23. I'm 23. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot down here, nothing up here. <laughs> Dumb it. We watched you just ju- jump off a cliff in your moral decisions and your intellectual capacity. So be grateful now that you're 50, 60s, and you are now facing a, a brook that you're going to cross. One brook, Zared. The land is ready now. <sighs> you're ready now. The wickedness of the Amorites is full, and all the people God's going to judge and wipe out, they're ready now. 
Do you remember way back in Genesis 15, 16, God spoke to Abraham, and he said that your uh, descendants are going to go into a land of bondage, but they're going to come out richer than when they went in, and I will judge the nations. But, God said to Abraham, the wickedness of the Amorites is not yet full. What does that mean? That means all the inhabitants of Canaan, their cup isn't full yet. Did you know God uses the imagery of a cup and he says it's half full? I'm going to give him another 400 years to repent. So could you all wait in Egypt for 400 years while I deal mercifully with the pagans? You mean God of the Bible is a genocidal maniac, Richard Dawkins said. A genocidal maniac who wipes out. No, that genocidal maniac has been waiting and allowing you to breathe and your heart to pump all these years while he waits for you to repent. Don't you dare call a merciful God, mercy incarnate, a genocidal maniac. He's an ethnic cleanser. When it's time, he'll clean everything. Did, did you ever pay someone to clean your house and they did a horrible job? You know what I mean? They just made it worse. And then, you, then you, you hire somebody that knows what they're doing and they clean the baseboards without you asking them to and they clean with a razor blade and you, and you give them that same amount of money and the place is sparkling. That's God as the cleaner. When he cleans, it's clean. Spick and spam. Not just like, like we clean. There you go. Give me my $100. No, we're not going to give you. You know, my, <laughs> my son called me and he said that they'd hired a Christian to clean their new house. Never hire a plumber with a fish on the back of his van. Never do it. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to mentor you. Most Christian organizations want to fellowship with you like your long lost friends, but they don't want to do a good job. They don't want to fix your garage right. They don't want to do your plumbing right. They don't want to do your bookkeeping right. They just want to like pray and can you pray for me and we'll all have fellowship. Well, I want to have fellowship with you, but I need my plumbing fixed right now. Not five times, the first time. So you got to call the Satan worshiper usually to get the cleaning job properly. <laughs> oh, look, there's a weird occultic sign. Have them come in because they'll do a good job. You may have to pray a little bit after, but the house basically <laughs> will have good plumbing that works. All right. So my son, they, 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 they have this Christian lady come in, bless her heart. One of these desert babies, bless her heart. And she just went in, made everything worse. And then they paid her and she went and then they found a lady that just went whoom, without having to be told. <laughs> Get back to the text. The land is ready for you now, honey. You are ready for the land now. And you know what God did for 38 years? He cleaned out all the flesh and unbelief. Has God been cleaning you? Have you been sanctified? Oh, yeah. Are you the same person you were when you first met Jesus? Oh, no. You've been through a process, and you know the process involves you saying, you're God, I'm not. I'm not God, you're God. Your God, I'm not. And you finally bend your will to his way. And now every time you go around the mountain the last few decades, you have been going up. You have, it's been a spiral. You've been growing. You've been becoming. You've been, you've, been, you've been getting better and better and better. But you know what? Folk next to you have been dropping dead. 
all over the place. God dealt with their flesh for 38 years and their unbelief. Secondly, he showed his mercy for 38 years. Did you know he met every need for 38 years? Every need. They had not one need unmet during that whole time. And you can point to your past history that he's given a flashback of right now, 38 years of circularity, and you know what? He's met every need. You wouldn't be alive listening to the sound of my voice right now if he didn't meet every single need. But now it's time to move from the delay. See, the circle represents training, cleansing, learning, growing, but it also represents monotony. You know, when things just get monotonous, you know, oh, here we go. It's a circle represents monotony, but a straight line represents advancement. And God says, you've circled this mountain. You've circled Kadesh Barnea. You've circled land that doesn't even belong to you. Isn't it something when you exhaust yourself working and being faithful and it, it doesn't, the land doesn't even belong to you? It's not even yours. You can't have it. <laughs> David was taking care and using, guarding with his life his daddy's sheep. Moses for 40 years has a staff and he is shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. He didn't own anything. Did you know you've been faithful over years with stuff that isn't yours? Well, the Lord says, I'm going to change that now. We're going to move the circularity into a straight line of conquest and the delay is over. Loved one, at Zered, the end of their chastening was complete. I'm talking to some folk that have been under the chastening hand of the Lord legitimately, and you've been doing your prison sentence, legitimately, and all you know of life is that you have been stuck legitimately. And it's not a, an illusion. I might be misreading it. No, you're not. You've been stuck for 30 years. The principle is you've been doing a sentence, but the Lord says, I'm going to let you cross zero. And all that circularity in a moment is going to break into a straight line of conquest. And now you're ready. The land is ready. Delay is over. Denial is over. You've been prepared enough. Now it's time to go in. And did you know that they were excited to go in? But God waited until the last funeral. Looking at his watch. Oh, we got one more. <laughs> Can't let the desert babies in. I don't know who that was, but it was probably someone that we were all waiting for. You know when you hear that grandma's dying and she's been dying of the same heart attack for 35 years? A friend of mine told me that recently. He said, my mom has been dying of the same heart attack for 35 years, and they call every week, you know, come to the bedside. You know? And they don't even answer the phone now because mama's always dramatic, and she's always dying. And she's still alive, by the way, the lady I'm talking about. Everybody else dies in the world except this woman. <laughs> you know, well, they were waiting for one more body to drop and one more funeral. That must have been a glorious last funeral for Joshua and Caleb to and Moses to do. They're doing funerals for, for 38 years, 100 a day. Boy, that's got to be a quick move around. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. He was a good man. No, he wasn't. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. 100 a day, Right? And they're just, they're just burying them in the wilderness. They're just, the wilderness is full of bodies. Why am I saying this? Because, beloved, God has been cleaning the flesh out of us. He's been cleaning the unbelief out of us. He's been removing who he has to. You know, he does sometimes add by subtracting. We used to say the Baptists multiply by dividing. 
That's for my Baptist friends that know what I'm talking about. He adds to the community by subtracting who he needs to subtract. Beloved, he was cleaning out the flesh, cleaning out the unbelief, dropping everybody he needed to drop, and he's preparing the desert babies. Now, right now, they're just pretty much, they've been sitting on the couch eating ho-hos. That's what they all look like. Praise God. What good news when the, when the Lord Jesus pointed this out to me. He said, Craig, you are your crowd that I'm going to have you lead. I remember one preacher saying something in a sermon. He just dropped this point, and it, 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 was, it was simultaneously true but depressing. He said, you're just start, some of you are just starting right now at the age you are in what you should have been leaving as a legacy right now. Some of you are reti- should be retiring now with what you're starting in right now in the anointing in God using you. And initially I thought, oh, that was mean. But the Lord said, oh, no, 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 that's good news. At an age when some people, we would maybe say competent people, are retiring with an awful lot of money in the bank and a lot of accomplishments and a lot of achievements, and they've moved from authority to legacy, and, and you look in the mirror and go, I think I'm just starting <laughs> in the kiddie pool of these days. God goes, good news, desert babies. You're all 50, 60-somethings. You've all been wandering around. You've got a selective memory. I need to mother you. I need to father you. And I need to instruct you theologically so that you know God's word. That's the primary need of our generation. Isn't God amazing? That means all you need to do is be mama. Mother them. Be daddy. Daddy them. Teach them the Bible. Teach them the word of God. See, Repetition is the mother of learning. I don't know if you notice it, but I've been unwittingly brainwashing you all for 25 years. I say the same things over and over again until you go, are you just going to say that all the time? Oh, I'm tripling down on it because repetition is the mother of learning. And guess what you do on the phone when you're in the middle of a divine appointment? You say the same things I've been brainwashing you with. And I've been washing your brains. I brainwash my children. I say the same thing every meal. The best seasoning for food is hunger. Eye roll. Guess what they're going to be telling their grandbabies? The best seasoning for food is hunger. Oh, Grandpa, shut up. No. Repetition is the mother of learning. It's the teacher's curse that if you teach something once five and a half years ago, you think they heard that. No, you didn't. You heard it the hundredth time. I said it and locked in. Abraham Lincoln said, my mind is like a piece of steel. It's virtually impossible to engrave anything on it. But once you do, it never leaves. See, we've got steel brain. Again, your soul hears the same thing over, and then you go, that's mine. I own that. That belongs to me. Yeah, you don't need to give credit where you got it. All truth is God's truth wherever you find it. But you need to just take it and make it your own and cook it up your way and come out and start repeating all the same stuff. See, everything you hear me say all the time, when I say it out somewhere else, they fall down on the floor and scream. You're just used to hearing going, but you know what the good news is, desert babies? God's been marking on our soul principles, quotes, sayings. You know, I remember Pastor Rick called me on my 50th birthday. I was in the garage of our old house. And I was out in the garage, and Rick called me, and he said, hey, Craig. He said, you know, I have a word for you. I said, right, well, Rick does that like once in a lifetime, so take that call. 
you know, the word from the Lord, people, I got a word from the Lord, don't eat that bacon. I got a word from the Lord, wear that tie instead of that one. It's just, you don't hear it. It's Charlie Brown's teacher. When Rick David calls and says, I have a word for you, E.F. Hutton, put your trumpet to your ear. Eh? <laughs> Rick, and I'm out in my garage right then as he's ca- talking to me. And if any of you know anything about my garage, there's books everywhere on my garage. In the old house, it was worse. It was, uh, it was ceiling to floor. It was a mess. But as Pastor Rick talked to me, he said, Craig, I think you need to brush off your Mark Twain and your Abraham Lincoln quotes because you're going to be just speaking principles and truths and marking people's lives. And he didn't know I'm standing in the garage looking at all my Abraham Lincoln and Mark Twain books while he was saying this to me. That's what I was staring at when he said, you know, you're going to have an ability, you know, to repeat things that are uh, revelatory and revolutionary and lights go on and aha moments. But first you feed on it, then you're going to everybody else going to feed on it around. Well, that's very true. And if you stay around here long enough, you're going to hear the same jokes and the same quotes. And why? Because the Lord has been imprinting on you stuff. It's not new to you, but it's new to everyone you ever quote them to. Sit, go ahead. Sit down at dinner next time you go out in public and say, the best seasoning for food is hunger. Everybody go, oh, they'll write down everything you say. I've never heard that before. But a prophet is not without honor except in his own house among his own kin, right, where everybody knows him. Even the Lord Jesus, his brothers and sisters went, oh, my God, what's his problem? The kingdom of God. That's what they did. They were over familiar with Jesus. And, 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 and these people, if I was in the wilderness near the ark and the box that held the bones of Joseph and I fed on man every day, you would have bitched as much as they did, probably outdone them all. Manna, manna, manna. Oh, I suppose. Oh, let me prophesy. There's manna. Oh, it's covering the ground. Oh, God, here we go again. You would have been the queen of kvetching like you are now. Uh, <coughs> oh, she died up If I lived then, I would be different. No, you wouldn't be different. You'd be exactly like they were. And that's what they learned in the wilderness. Gee, we're fallen. Gee, we're broken. Gee, we're not appreciative. Gee, we have a problem with gratitude and ingratitude and entitlement. Manna again. Ew. You seen someone do that in Beverly Hills at the restaurant? Could you take this back? I ordered a salad, not this. I saw a woman doing that the other day, and I just, I don't know what it is, but my tics go off. You can be a porn star, it doesn't bother me. You can be a drug addict, it doesn't bother me. But when you see an entitled, ungrateful eye roll, is this a restaurant you order food? Can someone serve us? That's when my sanctification, I confess, it's gone. It's gone. And you don't want to be with me in that environment because I just begin to, my right eye begins to go. And, 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 and I would, if I were a king at that moment, do something. Benjamin gone bad. Dave and I were talking about how we realize we're all Benjamins. We're, we're, we're always on the cusp of Benjamizing in a negative way. <laughs> That's the best thing I've ever heard. Acknowledge it. You would have just hair-lipped the universe back then in that circularity. You would have been leading them. I, Dathan, will lead you back to Egypt. Yeah, uh-huh. Remember the Ten Commandments, Edward G. Robinson? 
I will lead you back to Egypt. <laughs> we loathe this light bread. Moses, are there no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die and be buried in these graves? See, that's when God gets his right eye tick. I think he's got a tick, too. But he's a, he's a little bit longer in his patience, but his long-suffering does not last forever. His long-suffering is not infinite. Certain attributes he has are infinite, but he's not infinite in long-suffering. That means there's a point where he goes, done. That's it. Even with Christians in our generation. You can go under the judgment of God, the judgment of your flesh. It's not your salvation, but you know what? First John said, there are sins unto death that Christians commit. Paul said there were people in Corinth that were not judging the, the, the table of the Lord properly, and they were dying in the church services. <laughs> 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one. if you judge yourself, you will not need to be judged as many were sick and dying in the church. Why? Because they were not properly handling the table of the Lord. It's a sacred table. You can't approach that with eye rolls, unbelief, cynicism, skepticism. God says, yeah, I'll drop your little pedals in a minute. And he still will. Don't think he won't. Jesus loves you, but he can't use everyone equally. God cares about you. But <laughs> remember book of Revelation, those that were committing fornication and they were, they were defiling the work of the Lord, God said, you're, you're going to drop like dogs. And they started dying. Because they were in bed with Jezebel. They were having fornication with spiritual teachers that were teaching them to be immoral. These were born-again, spirit-filled Christians that Jesus not only died for, but they had accepted him, but they were choosing a carnal life, and that can be your end sometimes. Amen? It's not always good news. There are some folk that have to leave. They're in the way. And God, you, now you don't, you don't take them out. To my mob, recovering mob hitmen friends watching. You know, I'll help Pastor Joel out. Nikki Potato Salad. He's born again a week. I'll deal with Joel. It's okay. Pastor, don't worry about a thing. I'll take care of your haters. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Nikki, sit down, Nikki. Okay? This is Pastor Craig. I love you. Hey, I appreciate your talent. Ben, move the gun over because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, Pastor Craig, I wouldn't hurt you. Get over here, you knucklehead. Yeah. Loved one, God is the author of life, therefore he can take it any time, any way he wants, but you are not God and the author of life, so you can't take your own or others any time, any way you want. So thank you, Nikki Potato Salad and Jimmy the Pick Gravano. What, a, what an elder board before they get sanctified. <laughs> David, we've got to mentor these people. Let them keep the gun even. It's, you know, they'll grow out of it. They'll just give the gun up someday when they're finished. So we don't need you helping God impose his judgments, but he's really good vengeance, as mine saith the Lord, I will repay. Don't worry about him. He knows how to shut a program down so much better than you do. And I know, I know you don't really believe that. You don't, because you really think you're inventive enough. I will make God glorified in this hit. No, Nikki, no. <laughs> David, we're going to put Nikki in your discipleship class. You got to handle him. Nikki Potato Salad and all of his five wives, well, the ones that are alive, are coming too. Did you know now at Zared the past made complete sense to them? They saw the box top of the puzzle. They got it now. 
Oh, our parents wouldn't believe the Lord. Oh, they brought a negative report. Oh, they looked at the giants instead of God. Oh, I see fear is false evidence appearing real. Oh, we got it. Okay, we're not going to be afraid of giants. See, the, the, the Joshua and Caleb spirit and Moses spirit was wearing off on that generation. The new generation, the desert babies born in the wilderness. They saw the purity of, can you imagine? Caleb must have been like a Pastor Joel. Positive, upbeat, speaking the truth, living and walking the talk, talking the talk and walking the talk. There was Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. Well, that's only three people out of two million. Yeah, but three's enough. One person that is godly in your life is enough to shape you in Jesus. One good pastor. One fathering you, one mothering you, one teaching you solid doctrine. One is enough for you to say, I don't care how many people are screwed up. I'm following Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. I'm watching their TV show. I'm feasting and feeding on what they're producing. Oh, Lord. You know, God thought it was enough to have three guys, three men and, a, and, a, and some babies, Desert babies. But up until now, I didn't think of them as 50s, 60s. That sort of befouled my doctrine for a minute. <laughs> the Lord said, Craig, count 18 and 40. All right? These guys are not spring chickens. All right? Like on my cruise, okay? The cruise was this teaching. I'm on the Oceana Riviera. Everybody was 70 and up. I was a young God, Apollo to them. Oh, pool boy, could you bring me another towel? Ma'am, yes, but I... I. Oh, cabin boy, you know, I'm going to hang around 90-year-olds. I'm going to go hang out at ministries and convalescent homes from now on. Show my abs a little bit. You got to hang around old folk to feel young again. But you know what? The group God's going to be crowning with mothering, fathering, and instruction are 50s, 60s that have never found their destiny, never found their potential yet. But they are ready to be used by God. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? It's not a youth movement, and I love the youth. I just don't move that fast. I put my new shoes on and said, Brooke, would you tie my shoes, please? So I did the... We did the strength and wisdom thing. I did the gray-haired thing. I put my feet in the shoes, but she did the strength thing by tying them. Thank God for Zared. Loved one, are you crossing over? Come on. Are we ready to cross over? And did you know another thing that happened with these desert babies is the dread of them fell upon the Canaanites. Huh? The dread of the 50s, 60s, unaccomplished, unfulfilled destiny people? wandering around with no war experience. They'd never been circumcised, never had a Passover, never fought a battle. And yet God, the Bible says, sent hornets over before them in the promised land to assault the enemies and bring them out of their strongholds. The Lord is with you, beloved. They're going to start having a dread of you in a good way. That means there's going to be a new respect for you that you didn't earn. You didn't ever earn it anywhere, but God just gave a dread of them. Do you remember our precious Rahab, the harlot who was lived in the walls of Jericho? Do you remember what Rahab said, right? She's got her house of prostitution there. The two spies come in and she says, the dread of you has come upon us. 
We've heard about your God that split the Red Sea and you walked over on dry ground. We've heard about your victories at the Jordan over Sihon and Og and all the giants of the land, and we are trembling. Did you ever think anyone might be trembling at your presence? With all you haven't done and all you haven't accomplished and all the potentials you haven't actualized, well, guess what? It's God. And it's the favor of God that comes upon you. Not your talent, not your gift, not your ability, not your inability. It's the favor of God. When you have the favor of God on you, everything goes a certain way. And you know it's not you. See, I still think we don't know it's not us. We think it's mm, a little bit us. It's our cheeky argument or it's our, our hard work or it's our sweat or it's our, uh, no, it's him. Paul said, everything I have is by the grace of God. I am what I am, Paul said, because of the grace of God. Well, no, but you're a smart man. Yeah, I studied my books, but it's all the grace of God. <laughs> Can you say amen? It's all favor. Believe me, we know you enough. You're not that smart. Even in the moment you think you're pulling off a coup, you're, 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 there's somebody prettier than you, more educated than you, and smarter than you, lives within a mile of you. It's the favor of God on his desert babies. Notice they were liminal people. Remember we did a whole series called In Between? Talked about how when you're, not, you're, you're neither here nor there, but you're in between. Remember we said nobody lives at an airport. An airport is a liminal space. You go to an airport to get onto a plane to go somewhere else. Liminal space is like you get in an elevator, you go in, and then you're not where you were, and then the door opens and you're somewhere where you've never been before. And you get in a car or a taxi or an Uber. Those are all liminal spaces. Then these people were liminal people. They had never been in Egypt. They were born in the wilderness, and they've never been in battle. And so they're just walking in circles. They've been walking in circles eating manna. <laughs> they're not geniuses. They haven't been to Yale. They don't have a doctorate. They're just wandering about, but they're being prepared step by step. So have you. And the delay, beloved, at Zered ends. The prolonged circularity and boredom and monotony ends. And all of a sudden, they're qualified to beat their enemies down. God says, I am going to use you, and you're going to beat them like a stick. And these are giants. Canaan is full of giants. But you know, whereas their parents who had to die in the wilderness were terrified of giants, they weren't. They went right in and took Sihon and Og. I mean, right in. And Og had 60 cities fortified. They found them. They found many of them. They're, they're Dolomite buildings. They're built 55-ton stones. There's some crazy stuff going on in that land 4,000 years ago. And, and let, me just, let me just give you three themes of what I believe right now. From Zared on, from this point on, we're going run to run into, number one, there's going to be an extraordinary clash of demonic proportions. Battles are just ahead of us that are extraordinarily demonic battles. But good news, we're going to win them all like that. Sihon and Og presented well. They are giants. They have armies. They are dreaded people who have been defiling the land for 400 years. And the children of Israel that have never even had a fork as a weapon go in and take them in a day because of God's power. It wasn't their broom handle. 
that won the day. All right? These people don't have weapons. They, they have sticks, maybe. And, and, and they can go, ah, when they're attacking you. But they have nothing other than God. And these are the most fortified giants in the history of the land. We are heading for a demonic clash. You have no idea how nasty this battle is that we're in right now and moving towards, but we're going to win it in a day because of the favor of God. Boom. All of us desert babies wandering around. It's not a time to die on the wrong battlefield in argumentation right now. It's not time to drown in shallow water in wrong arguments. It's time to get full of the Holy Ghost and power and just say, I'm a desert baby. I'm a 50, 60 something that's never actualized his potentials, <laughs> been delayed for 38 years, <laughs> but I'm going in now. <laughs> and he's leading the way. He's opening the door. He's doing the battle. And all you have to do is just present yourself in all your amplitude. When I went out to lay in the sun on the Oceana deck of the Riviera, people noticed. <laughs> I look like Mr. Incredible. Remember, he's trying to do his belt. Remember, Mr. Incredible? They used to call me Pastor Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> I was Pastor Buzz out there in my little, my little stuffed into my little suit and just walking around with my towel. I got some sun. I fell asleep <laughs> in Spain <laughs> in the sun. Oh! You know when you do that, right? And you're a lobster and you... You look great for the night at the dinner. <laughs> you look like Aristotle Onassis, but then you suffer. All right. <laughs> but all I had to do was just amplify my amplitude. I went in, I got in the, the hot jacuzzi, displaced, and put all the grills out <laughs> on the ship. <clears throat> then I went and laid down. But it got good to me after a while. I was just like, you know what? I'm like the Italian men. They don't care. The Italian women, they don't care. They just wander around. Only Americans go, does my butt look fat in these? <laughs> I just carried forth. And it was good. It got good. Would you like a drink? No, I'll take another Diet Coke. Could I have another Diet Coke? Thank you so much, Ron. Cabin boy. That's my new identity at home. Rebecca goes, oh, pool boy. <laughs> Could you bring me some wipes and a diaper? You've never had as much fun as we have in a given day at my house. I'm sorry, but you're not mature enough to come into my house. Because you'd go, that just seems inappropriate. Three themes from Zara. There's going to be extraordinary clash of demonic proportions right up front, but we're going to win battles easily. Mm. And you know how we're going to do it? God's going to harden hearts, and he's going to give us strong delusions to believe a lie. You ever heard God harden Pharaoh's heart? Well, guess what it says about Sihon? It says God hardened Sihon's heart to make him go out and fight the desert babies. Well, why would God harden somebody's heart and then hold them accountable for being hardened? Well, let me explain it to you. The, the Hebrew word is chazak. It means to strengthen. God strengthens your heart. When you want to believe Jesus and obey him and walk in his ways, he strengthens your heart to continue with your resolve to follow God. Isn't that wonderful? He gives you help to pursue your choice and to, without wavering, complete 
your destiny in the direction you've chosen. He does the same thing for wicked people. He strengthens their heart to continue and follow through with their negative choices that they've made so that their resolve remains and they fulfill what's really in their heart. Does he harden them and make them do evil? Oh, no, no. He's just strengthening you and fortifying you to fulfill what you've made a choice to do. And Pharaoh did that a number of times. Notice he first hardened his heart against God, and then God strengthened him to continue his resolve so he wouldn't just put his tail between his legs and back off. Guess what? God is taking what you choose to do and giving you the power to follow through that resolve. And 2 Thessalonians says he sends a strong delusion to believe a lie. Do you know in Romans chapter 1, if you want to sin and you want your sin, you know what God says? You can have it and then some. And here's a demon of that sin now to ride on your back, to empower you, to be strengthened in the resolve that you take in order to defy nature, to defy his law. I'm going to give it to you and then some. Remember Psalm, Psalm 105? He answered their requests and sent leanness into their soul. He'll give you what you want sometimes, and that is the resolve and the empowerment for you to have it and then some. So, But you make your choice. You choose what you want hardened. I want my obedience to Jesus to be empowered in such a way that I can complete. Okay, he'll harden your heart too. He'll strengthen you. Isn't that beautiful? It isn't at all what you've been led to think. There's that genocidal maniac in the Old Testament hardening people. <sighs> context is really important. When you, uh, a text out of its context becomes a pretext. So you got to read things in context. What if David, David and I, uh, I talked to David earlier this week on the phone. What if someone took, recorded our phone call, edited it inappropriately out of context? What could they do with that? They could create a narrative that never occurred on the phone with David and I. Because their bit and piece editing can make David and I say anything on any topic. Hmm? But in context, they would have heard our conversation. And it was a lovely, edifying Christian conversation, except for the problems David had and was talking about. But I, my end of the conversation was godly, upright, genuine. Sure, out of context, you can make any book say anything. You make People magazine say everything you want it to say, not in context. Somebody was trying to, you, you know when you hear people talk about the Bible, they know nothing about the Bible, or they talk about your area of expertise and they know nothing about it. I had somebody saying, well, you know, the Bible is just this horrible patriarchal book and it's dominating. I said, excuse me, excuse me. God is the one that subverts the patriarchy by choosing second sons to eclipse the firstborns. What are you talking about? Remember our teaching called second sons? Jacob over, Abel over, Cain. Huh? Moses wasn't the firstborn. <laughs> and you go down the line, he subverts the firstborn patriarchal negativity by raising up second sons, and then he sends his son to the cross in, in an act of self-sacrificial suicide to redeem the downtrodden. What book are you reading in your Bible as literature class at City College? Watch who you're listening to. 
whether they're teaching you People Magazine, Life Magazine, The Bible, ancient Greek literature, just make sure they're not moving the chips around a little bit and faultily editing, editing everything. Isn't that something? I used to, I used to, we used to have uh, atheists come to church all the time. They wanted to ask me Bible questions, alleged errors and contradictions. How do you know there's a God? And no matter what you said, they'd go right on to the next question. They were never satisfied. You see, that's a condition of the heart that has nothing to do with external facts, nothing to do with objective facts, not at all. Show me somebody whose heart is wrong, and I'll show you someone's going to subvert the world. No matter what you give them, they'll destroy marriage, they'll destroy their children, they'll destroy their work environment, everything. They'll defile everything because they're misreading things in context. Don't get me started. Do you want people to misquote you in contexts and misedit your telephone calls and then form some narrative about you that's a complete lie and opposite to who you are? Of course not. You would, you would assault the heavens in the midst of that injustice. Correct. So don't you misinterpret and misquote God's word. Do you know it's been averaged that there are, there are about 10,000 doctoral dissertations for every verse in the Bible? So for every contested question you could ever bring up, there are 10 counterpoints, more than 10, that can be brought to respond to that. So quit acting so cynical and skeptical. You don't know what you're talking about. Come on, watch what you're reading online. Read anything, learn and study to show yourself approved, but in context, beloved, in context. Okay, why am I saying this? Because this Benjamin generation of desert babies that were born in the wilderness are all 50, 60-somethings, and they need sound theology. They need to be taught. They need to be equipped more than anything else. They need mommy and mommy and daddy Mothering and fathering, which is what we have all been made to give. Have you noticed this church is a fathering anointing? It's a mothering anointing. We love people. We nurture people. We feed them. We meet them where they are, and we give them the minerals and vitamins of mommy and daddy. We teach them how to bond correctly and how to be contained. We teach them the Father's blessing. And then we teach a solid orthodoxy in respect of God's word. And if they hang around here long enough, and by the way, there's a thousand messages on this website for free. Go and feast for a while. Don't talk like Zachariah for nine months and listen to nine months. You can just set it 24 hours a day and listen. 24 hours a day and you will not come to an end of instruction, which will feed your soul and prepare you as a desert baby, doctrinally, to face the battle that's up ahead of you. So there's going to be an extraordinary demonic battle. I'm going to go a little further. There's really nothing you have to say about it because I have the mic. You can nod off if you want. I, you, I know you do anyway. But the three themes of Zerod, the first I mentioned, is going to be an extraordinary clash with the demonic, of demonic proportions, battles we will easily win, and the Lord's going to help us by hardening hearts and by sending strong delusions to believe a lie. He's going to have people that don't want truth to be deluded about it. You know, Acts, Isaiah chapter 5 says, Woe unto those that call good evil and evil good. Why? Whoa. Because once you call good evil and evil good, if you call a crooked line straight and a straight line crooked, you, you, you gain a strong delusion to believe a lie and you can't see it anymore. There's a point. Paul said your conscience is seared as with a hot iron. You can force yourself to not see 
crooked from straight. Yeah, I would never call a straight pool cue crooked and a crooked pool cue straight. What are you calling me, an idiot? Yeah, once you pursue that path, you will get a strong delusion to believe a lie, and you will call what is crooked straight. That's common sense. That's a crooked pool cue. How dare you call that thing crooked, you racist? That's not crooked. Define crooked. It's crooked. And now a five-year-old goes, that one's crooked, that one's straight. But an adult with a delusion to believe a lie will call a crooked thing straight, straight, straight thing crooked. Isaiah 5 called it. He said, woe unto those that call evil good and good evil. And then Jesus, our Lord, in his ministry, quotes Isaiah saying, remember the group he talked about? Here they are. He said, if the miracles I did in Capernaum had been done in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. He said, the queen of Sheba went 1,200 miles to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and she didn't see miracles like this. She had a little bit of light that she followed, and look, her breath was taken away. You have seen so many miracles in Capernaum that you are unmoved. Yeah, miracle, schmiracle. Remember when he was opening the eyes of the blind? He's not even doing that anymore. God. What did he do today? Oh, uh, he, yeah, we healed a cripple, but, you know, he's, he's slacking. He's waning. You say, Craig, I never, I never would have done that in Capernaum. You would have been leading the home group in Capernaum. The Lord himself said, remember Isaiah's crowd? Call good evil, evil good. Here they are, all the religious leaders running the temple. Bada boom, bada bing. And guess what they did when they heard him call them that group? They were offended mortally. (gasps) What an injustice. How dare you call us people who are blind? Remember Jesus healed the man born blind in John 9. And he said to the leaders, if you said we were blind, you would see. But now you said we see, therefore you remain blind. They didn't care that a man born blind was healed. They cared that it was done on the Sabbath. What? Pharisees put principles over people every time. It's a strong delusion to believe a lie. The leaders that crucified the Lord of glory did it out of envy because they'd so hardened their hearts they were calling good evil and evil good. Jesus put it this way in John 16, there's coming a day when they will beat you to death in the synagogues and think they do God a service. That is a strong delusion to believe a lie. But we're good people and we love Jesus and you're beaten to death. And they think, honestly, they're doing God a service. They go home going, oh, we've tortured more Christians to death. Praise God. You go, you don't really believe that, do you? Oh, yeah, Paul did. Saul of Tarsus was torturing people to death to the point of making them blaspheme. Do you know how wicked that is? A torturer who knows how to torture so well that they can make you curse your own mother just because they get a rush out of it. They're a godlike power. That's what Saul was. You know him as Paul. Hello, Paul. Get over here, Paul. Come over here with all your scars and your unimpressive speech. Give him a little noogie on the head. He tortured family members of yours to death and made them blaspheme God for fun. That's how perverse he was breathing out threatenings against the church. But guess who was able to handle him? Jesus said, I'll take care of it. 
Remember, even poor Ananias, Ananias, go, 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 go minister to him. He goes, Lord, we've heard a lot about this man. He calls good evil and evil good, and he might hurt your little Ananias. And Jesus said, go on, go. It's okay, I dealt with him. He's blind. He can't hurt you. I struck him down blind, so he's going to be in the Helen Keller School of Spirit Leadership. He won't be able to catch you. You don't feel too intimidated by a totally blind person incapacitated, do you? I hope not. Ananias could outrun him no matter what happened in the house. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus <laughs> sent me no weapons in the room, <laughs> no whips. <laughs> it's okay. But do you see how bad we can get and think we do God a service? That's the religious spirit that is going to dominate our time, and it's expressed in its political form and its Christian form. It isn't sex, drugs, and rock and roll that will quench the church's work. It is a religious spirit in embodying politicians and religious leaders that will assault the truth and call something straight crooked and something crooked straight. And you can't argue with them. There is no ground for it. It's a strong delusion to believe a lie. God has strengthened their heart to continue to believe that. Isn't this fun? We're in the midst of fun, fantastic, hallelujah, extraordinary clash of demonic proportions. And second, there's going to be an extraordinary season of transgenerational change. Listen to me. Moses is about to give up his leadership. Joshua is about to take over. There's going to be a transgenerational shift in leadership because all of them died in this case. God took all of that generation out before Zared. Notice he says, you're crossing this day because the last guy dropped. Now, we don't know who that is in your family <laughs> or church. But if there's one person left that is, that it is hindering the drop of God's release and fruitfulness, God will take care of them, but not you, not you and Nikki Potato Salad. I can see a whole Christian cult starting as, as of this teaching led by Nicky Potato Salad online. Look online later. In his carnal, immature state, he's going to start a weird little hitman church. Okay, anyway. It's going to be a season of transgenerational change from Moses to Joshua. Oh, my Lord. This is going to be something. Did you know Moses was a wilderness leader? He was called by God and anointed to be a wilderness leader. He could only lead the people in circles. Notice. He's really good leading them in circularity and monotony. Guess what? It was time for him to die. Joshua cannot go in a straight line of conquest leading the desert babies until Moses drops. And you know what? It says he's 120. His physical force was not abated, which meant his sexual desire, and his eye was not dim. This guy had no reason to die then, except God said, you're done. I'm done with the circularity, hence I'm done with leaders who are only able to lead in circles. And Moses didn't want to die, remember? He said, please let me go over into the land. And God goes, nope, not going to happen. Don't ask again. No. What did he do? Instead of speaking to the rock, he smote it twice. Notice the water still came out. Your ministry can be canceled by God, and the water still flows. Hmm? So, oh, this is worth the whole tape. 
the water still flows. The gift and the talent and the ability still flows, and you've long been disqualified, and you're dying as you're standing. Dead man walking. Moses, it was his time. And he wanted to see, I want to go into the land. God said, no, but I'm going to put you up on Mount Nebo, and I will let you look into the land. But you can't go because I have another man that has a wilderness anointing to go in a straight line, and it isn't the circular anointing you have to stay in the wilderness. If you knew how deep that was, you'd be cheering and throwing chairs at David. (laughs) God will protect him. If the Lord is with him, the chair won't hit him. That's my theory. Extraordinary clash of demonic proportions. Extraordinary season of transgenerational change. And third, the final preparation of God's strange desert babies. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I can mock them because I'm one of them. Children under the age of 18 at the time of the exodus would be 40 to 58 years of age. So imagine if you were over 70, you would have died with the group. You'd be dead. So talk about, talk about a limit, right? Only Moses and Joshua and Caleb are like 100-ish up in there. Moses is 120. Joshua and Caleb are in their 80s, all right? So they are the only guys that old. Talk about removing an entire slot of people. You go, Craig, I was expecting a Mother's Day message. Well, Mama, your chastening is over. The delay is over. God's moving you forward into a straight line of conquest you never thought you'd live to see. You're not too old to fulfill all of the will of God for your generation. There's your Mama. All right. These people are liminal people with parental deficits. Have you noticed that the theme in the body of Christ is God has been doing inner healing issues, Dr. Henry Cloud, Dr. John Townsend, that we know more now about mother issues and father issues than any pre... In the last 40 years, there's been a revival and a restoration of understanding about the importance of mommy and daddy. Why? Because that's what we need in minerals and vitamins to feed and lead and guide this desert baby generation. And they need theology. They need sound teaching. They need to know the Bible. And they need to know what's theologically correct. Because in my opinion, every revival, every move of God has been destroyed by immorality and false teaching. And to me, false teaching is worse than immorality. I'm not speaking in favor of sexual sin. But I'm saying there's something about false doctrine that'll get in your soul and get entrenched and can ruin a generation. You can destroy more people if your God picture is off than if your little sexual morals are off for a short period of time and you straighten that out. But you can't. I've seen people go south. I've seen talented, gifted, anointed young men and women who sit under a false teacher and they start teaching all kinds of nonsense. I knew one young man. He's one of the most gifted people I've ever met in my life. He has every talent, every ability, you know. And, and he sat under some teacher that taught him plural, plurality of marriage and you can have polygamous relationships. David had many wives. You can have many wives. And, 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 and I couldn't even get to him which I could have straightened out in one second. What's the answer to that? You have to, when you interpret the Bible, know what's descriptive and what's prescriptive. The Bible describes things accurately, but doesn't prescribe them for you. The Bible describes Satan's lies, but they're not prescribed for you because they're written in the Bible. And I could have saved the guy with one interpretive principle, but I was blocked from getting to him, and his whole life 
went south with false teaching. His health was compromised, his family was compromised, and he lost every perfect opportunity to flourish in the Lord because he wasn't mothered, fathered, and he wasn't taught. Oh, that was hard to watch. Human, you parents, you know it's hard to watch, isn't it? When you see somebody and you're taking one step and they're going to go wrong and you just go, you know where that's going. You know where that path goes. They're, they're jumping down a hole it took you 25 years to get out of. You're just climbing up and they're just jumping in on the diving board. And you're going, no! And they're going, don't put your restrictions on me. I'm not you. I can dive in that hole and I'll be fine. And you still listen. Uh, uh, 20 days later. Uh, oh, there they go. Don't put your restricted knowledge on me. I'm not, don't bind me with truth. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. There's always someone with an uncle that says, ain't no three-headed God going to tell me what to do. Uncle Dan, please don't say things like that. Move away. Move your chair away from Uncle Dan. Hey, no three-headed guy. Ooh. Have you ever... <laughs> Aren't you glad he's long-suffering? Aren't you glad he's gracious? Aren't you glad when he saw things you were saying and doing 38 years ago that he didn't just kill you, he just took care of you his way? Which has turned you into a lovely desert baby. <laughs> Sweet, flexible. And let me, let, me, let me close. Well, we may pick this up next week. Do you remember what has to happen to these desert babies to prepare them to go into the promised land? They had not been circumcised. Oh. They'd never fought a battle, never kept a Passover, and they'd never been circumcised. That was that lovely proof that God had marked you intimately in the deepest conceivable way and that he had removed that piece of flesh from your penis that represented a desensitive, you can't be as sensitive as you can be when certain things cover you. Anything, notice God taught in circumcision, you have no recourse to privacy in this move. I am approaching you at an intimate level. Remember last week we talked about Jesus washing Peter's feet, getting real close to him, and Peter was feeling really awkward, you know? Jesus taking his shoes off and his nasty feet and his ugly corns, and, and he's going to wash that. You know, Peter just felt his space was being... Well, with circumcision, you have no recourse to intimacy and no recourse to personal space. And these guys are 50s, in their 50s. Ow! And they don't get scalpels. They get flint stones. <laughs> and they sharpen the flint stone. I didn't mean that, but that was funny. I could have taken that as a... And they sharpen this nasty... It isn't, it isn't like the scalpel that you would get nowadays, which spares you some degree of pain and discomfort. And they are all cut. They're made vulnerable, and they're cut, and they are in pain. Did you know what? They're called to battle, but first they have to have surgery. First you have, some, have to have some skin in the game. If you do not have a sacrificial investment in moving forward in God and fighting warfare, 
there's a lot of people in the church that they're there as long as it's glorified Disneyland, but if there's ever a sacrifice required, they're not going to be there. Western Christianity. They will not show up because they have no skin in the game. They have never been cut. They have never been put in a place where they're prepared to go forward. Loved one, did you know God? He'll hurt you, but he'll never harm you. And circumcision hurts. And before they go into war, they have to have this surgery. And you know what? It says they're all laying around in agony, healing. And they're laying right under the walls of Jericho where the enemies can see them vulnerable. Only God would think of circumcising an entire generation in the sight of the enemy where they would be, you know, tempted to say, let's get them now while they're weak. Let's get them now while they're down. Well, did you know God has protected you in your vulnerability? God has protected you laying healing from your surgery. But once you're healed, the Bible says, they went in and the day they went in, the manna stopped, it says, and they ate of the corn of the land and had their first Passover. They got circumcised. Three days later, they went and had the first Passover they'd ever had. It's a time for new things that we've never had, new favor we've never experienced, going new places we've never been before because we've crossed the threshold of Zared. And nothing was ever the same after this crossing. They never went back. They only moved forward. And the rest of the Bible continues. Moses dies, by the way. The Bible says that God took him. He, he, didn't ha he wasn't like shot in the head. God just took him. And it says he buried him where no one could find him. Why? Because they would have built a shrine around his tomb. And everybody would have taken their eyes off God and worshipped the shrine of Moses. He knows us. So it says they took him where no one would know. And he went up alone with the Lord and he just went to glory. Because it was Joshua's time. And Joshua could not find his anointing to drop until Moses was gone. Wow. There's a lot going on at Zared. And what a day, Mother's Day, to announce this. I'm talking to some whose ministries have been on hold and your brakes have been on in your car for 38 years. And it's not a mystery. It, everybody knows you've been stuck. Everybody knows it. They won't say it because they're too nice. But they've heard tales of what happened back 38 years ago. But you know what, beloved? The delay is over. Land's ready. You're ready. Whew. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that you are a mighty God who fulfills your word to us. Lord, after all, even all the years of delay, Lord, you are now, you're breaking the circularity and the, and the monotony and you're bringing us in a straight line of conquest. Praise you for that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that we are crossing Zared. Thank you, Jesus, that, that whatever it is that, 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 that we've endured in the wilderness time, we're gonna, it's going to be a history that makes us who we are, and we are going to move forward. And, Lord, you are our favor. You are our shield. You are our buckler. You are fighting our battles. You're doing everything for us because we can only handle a broom handle. We don't even have the experience of seasoned warriors, but we give you praise, Lord. Go ahead and... Uh, there's a changing of the guard now many times because the guard wouldn't change. Thank you for transgenerational changes in leadership right now, Lord. Thank you that you're bringing up new men, women, boys, and girls to find their moment and their hour of conquest. Thank you for this church, Lord, that you're bringing us and, and, and causing us to move forward in our mothering, fathering, and equipping uh, responsibilities, Lord. Thank you that we're going to speak to our generation in an equipping manner and in a 
fathering manner and in a mothering manner. And, and all we got to do is do us. We give you praise, Lord Jesus, that de- delay is not denial. And we thank you even now, Lord Jesus Christ, that you have been preparing us, shaping us, molding us, and forging us, God. And we praise you that all of the demonic powers that look so godlike are going down, like that Ragnarok movie. That thing is going down. It's going to have his little hat knocked off, and it's going down. We give you praise that what looks like God isn't God. We thank you, Lord, for preparing all of the desert babies. Lord, let us now have a new mercy as we look in the mirror at ourselves and go, I'm a desert baby. I'm exactly the age they were when they came out and went in. We thank you, Lord. We're right on time. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. You're right on time, beloved, and you didn't think you were, and every demon has been lying to you about what you missed, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Oh, if I could do my 20s again. Oh, God, help us. Don't even say that out loud. Lord, heaven itself just winced. You're right on time now for your relationships, your anointing, your potentials, your gifts, and your opportunities. And you know what? You say, Craig, but my leg doesn't work. Whatever doesn't work is going to make you lean on him more and is going to bring more favor on you for, for him to win the battle through you. Remember when you go to Vaughn's, you just walk up to the door like you're going to smash your face into it and the door opens right at the last second. That's how this whole thing is going to work. It's not your smarts, your intelligence, your education. The only ability God needs is availability in this time. So we want to encourage all of our viewers right now. We love you. Happy Mother's Day to our mamas. Remember, I already applied the message, Mama. Your delay is over. You're not at the end. You're just at the beginning. God is on time with every talent, gift, and ability and hope and dream you've ever had. God has kept us in limbo. He's kept some of us uh, in hibernation. But we're coming out. We're waking up. Amen. Praise the Lord. So as we go to the table of the Lord today, I just want you to be vulnerable and willing to say, you know what? I choose to believe that I'm crossing this brook today. That you would be able to look at the blood of Christ and and the body of Jesus and see it as a new starting point. And uh, Kim, I'd like you as, as, as David leads us in the table of the Lord, I'd like you and Dennis and Ian, would you just lay hands on everybody as, as we're praying during the table of the Lord? You can take it yourself too, but I want, I want you just to linger uh, and pray. I want you to linger over each of the lambs in this house because this is a significant threshold day. I think we're in a threshold series. Did you notice We talked about failing at the threshold last week. We talked about the threshold today. I want you to linger in the presence of the Lord right now. You're right on time. The table is a point of contact to release your faith, to say, I choose to believe I'm at the right age. I choose to believe God's not finished with me. I choose to believe the best is yet to come. I choose to believe the rest of my life is the best of my life. Don't listen to the devil. He's a liar. Amen. So just go and, and, and just linger with the people as you pray. Pray as the Lord leads you. Go now. Go now. And, and for our viewers as well, be praying for them. Amen. David, come and join us. Welcome, everybody. In the name of Jesus, as you get your elements together, Special blessing on all the mothers out there with us today. 
So great. Boy, did I have a great mom. Whew. Fantastic. You know, just as Jesus gathered all the disciples that he loved together at his table, he's gathering us right now. And it was always God the Father's design for you to enjoy this. Uh, I want to read from Psalm 103, verse 2 and 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget his benefits, who forgives all, every one of your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Isn't that cool? When we bless the Lord, we're just thanking him, and we're grateful for all that he's done for us. And when you first believed in Jesus, you received all these benefits. So we're going to take the cup first today, because the very first benefit mentioned is the forgiveness of all your sins, every one of them. Thank you, Lord, that you sacrificed on the cross and shed your blood for us. And now we partake for the forgiveness of all our sins. Thank you, Jesus. And the second benefit mentioned, who heals all of your diseases. And he did that through his broken body, redeeming you of injury, disease, illness. So let's break the bread right now and let's partake. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. May you be blessed today in the name of Jesus. And I just want to thank all of you for your continued support, for your prayers, for your contributions. And um, we, we, we need all that. Uh, if you feel led today by the Holy Spirit, please contribute so that we can continue to pay the bills here at Bethel. And thank you for your support. We just, we love being able to fellowship with you, being able to worship with you, and share the good news of Jesus with you. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Thank you, David, for your anointing. Isn't he wonderful? Praise the Lord. Oh, beloved, he's not finished with you. And I have to say to my brethren, he's talking to some of you that have been shipwrecked and you've been stuck. But you know what? He knew you were going to take that off ramp before you took it. And he knew you'd be listening to my voice today and being new, a new hope just going into your heart and nourishment and fellowship that he's bigger than you. He's bigger than your choices. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he knew how to stitch every choice into the big tapestry of destiny? Aren't you glad that he's more powerful than you? Aren't you glad that your little finite will couldn't hair lip his plan for you and your family? Hallelujah. I don't know about you. I'm glad we have a mighty God. I'm glad he's not at the mercy of Craig's unbelief and Craig's opinions. I'm glad that he can weave everything together at the end and where every thread is absolutely necessary for you. There's not one thread you could take out of the tapestry of your life now. Oh, I'd go back 38 years to Kadesh Barnea and I wouldn't have sent. No, nah, you couldn't take that thread out because then you wouldn't be who you are today. See? So the past makes sense now. The whole box top of the puzzle of your life makes sense. You had to be trained. You had to go through the muscle workout. He puts you through the gym you've been through to develop the muscles that you've developed. And it's all favor. 
You know, as David led us to the cup, I was reminded it's such a simple thing to sip and chew. But that's because he did all the heavy work. <laughs> he bore the sins of those that, that sinned against him. He's the one that, that stewarded the Holy Land and the Promised Land and his people when they were messing up all the time. And, and all we have to do now is believe by faith and sip and chew. Hallelujah, we don't live in the Old Covenant. Oh, my Lord. And thank God we don't live 38 years ago after you look at your journey and where you've been. I don't want to do it again, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. And we do pray a special blessing on our mothers today that is exceeding abundantly above all they could ask or think. Cover them, bless them, encourage them, and give them hope. Give them a shot of, a B12 shot of hope, encouragement, and refreshment for the rest of the journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.